overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Welcome to Embarrassment of Riches. Hi, Laura. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. No, how oh, are you yeah, doing? That's true. In, how are you doing? In the spirit of emotional honesty, how am I doing? Um, I've had moments of low-grade panic today in any conversation involving what school will look like in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, I'm sitting with my dear friend doing something I enjoy, so I feel happy and satisfied. <laughs> happy and satisfied. <laughs> um... I would say I have similar feelings of low-grade panic mm-hmm. um, about school, yeah. but uh, I am sitting with one of my friends, and that helps. So why did we just do that? <laughs> because today we are kind of talking, I think we've been weaving this into the podcast all season, but today we're going to talk about emotional honesty, emotional integrity. Yes, that was what you coined. Well, I don't know if you coined it. Probably somebody else yeah, has coined it at some it, point. It's like yeah. somebody else. Um, Freud. But you, yeah, that Freud. Um, but you kind of came up with it before that there is emotional honesty, emotional integrity, which is the similar things, being aware and open about what you're really feeling. Yeah. You know, uh, to kind of segue this of like why I think this is particularly relevant right now, um, I, when I'm talking with a lot of patients, I see patients from like, you know, all walks of life. And it's, it's sort of interesting to be working in psychiatry because, and I'm sure this is probably too in psychology as well, like where part of our role is to be sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Like part of our role is to be non-judgmental, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what that what often happens is that people I don't agree with think I agree with them. Mm-hmm. Do you? Would you? That s- means you're empathizing well. <laughs> yes. So, or I at least can see their perspective or or, or whatnot. And uh, I I've had like multiple conversations this week about um, like I've got some 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 patients that are just like surface of the sun level hot about how angry they are about people not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And I am by no means suggesting that people should not wear masks. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that this patient seems like over the top angry about this mm-hmm. and not this one patient. I've had like multiple patients. And as I've been like talking to patients about this, I've been kind of like, let's check in with what's really going mm-hmm. on in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And because um, while it may make sense to be frustrated about their perceived um well I, the, flippancy I think, about someone wearing a mask and not protecting other people maybe their reaction seems a little bit overblown. much for the mask yeah exactly a, a, for a stranger mm-hmm. it feels it feels high level of anger for a stranger and it feels it feels um maybe unfair 
to assume that every person not wearing a mask is a narcissist. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I, I had to, I That's had unreasonable. Yeah. I, I had to, I had to tell a patient this week that I was like, Hey, look, I know plenty of narcissists that wear masks. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, so I had this, so I've got multiple patients that are getting super angry about this. And one of the things that as we sat there and talked, I was like, you know, has it occurred to you that you feel really scared mm -hmm. and you feel like a lot of things are happening? You're super confused. That you don't have control over. Yeah. And it would feel much more comfortable if there was something that we could do to make things better, but that there's a part in your stomach that knows that the only thing that we have to do right now is to wait. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel very comfortable. Right. And so it feels more comfortable to kind of your anger at, at feeling out of control that maybe you're projecting that anger on this person that's not wearing a mask. Mm -hmm. That, that may be, and again, the, I can understand why that might be frustrating or, or mm -hmm. whatever, but like, why are we this angry about it? it might be about something else. Mm -hmm. like right. it, it, and so that's kind of what... Well, that's what we always hear, that anger is that secondary emotion. So getting to the primary emotion, let's get to the bottom of what's really going on. Which is probably fear. Which is probably fear, insecurity, overwhelmed, anxious, whatever. Um, by getting to the bottom of that, by seeing what's really going on, then you're going to deal with the real issue, not this... And, and like you said... Sure, we don't want to dismiss that there is an emotion of something about people not wearing a mask. That can be valid. We don't want to dismiss that. But it's likely that something else is going on that we also don't want to ignore. Right. And I think I, even that patient that I'm particularly thinking of that I like that was like the, they're all narcissists, you know. <laughs> um I think I think that really resonated with her because she was like, "Yes." Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah, that's right. Deep down, that's what mm -hmm. it is. I feel every, I'm so scared. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen next. It feels like no matter what happens, it's just, you know, things are not, mm -hmm. you know, we, oh, there's nothing to do but wait. Right. And, um, so anyway, I, I thought, um, that that would be something valuable for us to talk about today of like, how do you take an emotional temperature check on what's actually going on in your heart in a time, in a season where you are probably maybe having some overreactive emotions about various things like this would be a good time to go. How do we, how do we check in with our heart mm -hmm. so that we're experiencing our emotions in real time mm -hmm. and they're not, you know, they're they're not causing collateral damage. Absolutely. I like that that idea of when you well, and I'm going to majorly dumb this down and I may have actually said this on another podcast. Um so I'm sorry to our tens of listeners, but and the Canadians and those in Canada. Um so I there's research that talks about when you accurately identify what's really going on. It activates the part of your brain that 
is responsible for emotional regulation. So it actually, people feel really out of control when they're talking about their feelings, those, that, that awkwardness of vulnerability and feeling exposed. But really when you're accurately identifying, you have more control. And like you said, you're pinpointing what's really going on and not allowing this crazy emotional tornado to swirl through your head, trying to figure like distract and avoid from what you're really feeling causing collateral damage around like the distraction of feelings. Yes. I think I, I shared with you a couple, I don't know. It was probably, it might've been last summer. I don't know. Um, I frequently misbehave. (laughs) So if this didn't happen last summer, something else happened last summer where I misbehaved, but one summer, Mm -hmm. um, this happened. And, uh, this, this was when I went postal at the postal office. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, I, I think it was last summer, but I was, had gotten off work. I was trying to get like a list of chores done before I came home Um, because I think we were going to go out of town. And so I was just trying to maximally use my time. I, some of those chores were like kind of frustrating chores. Like I'm going to Costco to return the second set of luggage that I bought because it's broken, Mm. you know, like it's not, it's not working right. So I feel really annoyed and angry because I'm, I'm feeling, I, you know, I'm having. I just to repeat. feel that way whenever I have to go into Costco. I, in right, general. me too. And so now I have to go back to Costco twice, like like over these dumb luggage and at some, you know. So this is this. These are the chores I'm going to get. Um, I'm I'm trying to get stuff laminated, and so I'm having to go to Kinkos, and then I'm trying to mail something. And when I go to the post office, I stand in line, and they're like. I stand in the line for 15 minutes. I get to the end of the line and they're like, oh, we're sorry. We, uh, our credit card machine, that's what it was. Our credit card machine isn't working, so we can't sell the stamp. You can go to the kiosk station at, and do this at the other post office. And I'm like, okay. So I'm getting, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit frustrated because I, Every, all of these chores, I feel like I should have been able to accomplish in 30 minutes. And I'm like two hours in, like, because I'm the dumb Costco thing and blah, blah, blah. So I go to, uh, the other post office. And tension is building. And tension is building. And I go to the kiosk to do like the self stamp thing and mail this envelope. And... It, I mean, I spend 10 minutes with the thing. I get, you know, go all the way through it and then it doesn't take my credit card. And then I do it again and then it doesn't take my credit card. And now there is a line at the new post office that to talk I, to a, to talk to a human. Mm-hmm. And so I've already wasted 10 minutes here. Mm-hmm. I've already wasted 15 minutes at the other post office. And now I've got to go stand in another line at this post office. So I'm standing in line and I'm standing in line and I'm standing in line and I finally get to um, the the front of the line and the post office worker is like refusing to sell me the stamp at the rate that I want, like 
but which it like, and I can't remember, he was like, this doesn't count for that. And I was like, well, they said it did at the other post office. And anyway, he's, 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 going back and forth and i was like if i could I, I could fit this envelope in the machine over there if the if it would take my credit card and he he just wouldn't do it and finally he so he wouldn't break the rules for you it wasn't breaking the rules i could have sent it at the at the yes. other one but um but the point was at one point he said well why don't you go back to the other post office mm. Mistake, postal worker. Um, right, because again, I would have loved to have. Yeah. Yeah, I would have loved. <laughs> like, I would have loved to have been done at the other post office. Yeah, I would. I wish we never would have met. Uh, yeah. I right. So when he said, "Why don't you go back?" To, then why don't you go back to the other post office? Um, do you know what I said? I think you graciously said, "I understand that that sounds like it would be the easiest thing to do." But they sent me here for a reason. I think we can work this out. Is that what you said? No. Although oh. I probably said words that communicated that idea in a uh -huh. different way. But then I, I said to him, whenever he started to talk again to me after that, mm -hmm. and I said, no, stop talking. Just sell me the stamps and stop talking. And then I heard someone in the post office line behind me say, whoa. <laughs> it was a loaded whoa. <laughs> it was a loaded whoa. And I walked out of the post office having paid twice as much for postage than I wanted to. Was it $100? No. Oh, okay. It, 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 and that's, here's, here's at the end of the day, you know, like, was this $10 worth of anger? I don't know. Um, I think probably, arguably, no. Uh, uh, but 10 extra dollars does suck. Yeah. I mean. But but the point is, I, I got to the car, and I was sort of embarrassed of my behavior, um, I, because, probably because of the woe. Mm -hmm. um, I was embarrassed of my behavior. But what was interesting was that, probably because I had spent some time in therapy prior to this, that I had been sensing throughout that afternoon mm -hmm. a rising level of frustration that should have tipped me off that I needed to take a five-minute break in my plow of productivity mm -hmm. to kind of recenter yeah. um, before I stepped into the post, the, the second post office. Like I, I already knew how frustrated I was and yet I plowed on. Um, and, and so what's, what's been interesting is that like, as I've become more and more aware of the, those kind of feelings that I think, uh, like frustration, those kind of underlying things that just sort of surface, but we just keep, we just ignore, we don't, mm -hmm. we don't check in with, um, is that rarely when I'm having big emotions, is it really helpful for me to kind of like press into my, uh, <laughs> my manic need to a a accomplish tasks? Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think I don't have time to sit with my emotions because I'm so frustrated because everything's going wrong. But what, what I don't realize is I'm, I'm about to make everything far, far worse. And so, um, so anyway, that, that situation is one of those ones that kind of like now when I start to feel that I'm, I'm 
I, I try to stop and mm-hmm. give myself a minute. Well, and I think that's so true. People, it's become a reaction to suppress emotions. Right. And even people who, who can laugh easy, cry easy, talk in feelings words, can have the default mode of, I don't have time for that. Right. And it's kind of like this particular, we have this screened in porch in my house and my kids play in there and leave stuff out. And I'm constantly walking by it going, I'll deal with that later. But when I find something in the house that belongs out there, I catch myself opening the door and just throwing it in. Like I'll deal with it later. Is this where you found those, those vintage Christmas sweaters? It was where I found the Christmas (laughs) vintage Christmas sweaters. It was also where we just found. They still belong up there. I don't think I've. uh, Oh, they're still in there. And also the bird's nest that had nine eggs in it. We (laughs) just disposed of. So it's a mess. Don't judge, but I'm constantly going, I'll deal with it later. But every time I walk past it, which I walk past it when I'm coming out of my bedroom, I look in there and it, I can feel my anxiety going up. And I think feelings are the same. So we think, not right now, can't do that now, I'll deal with that later. I have the, this thing to get to, I've got this deadline. It just doesn't feel good to do that right now. It's way too hot on that screened-in porch right now to do work in the summer, so I'm going to wait. So it's it's constantly, but for me, even with like emotional awareness, it has become a reaction to go, not right now. I don't want to do that right now. That takes hard work. And so what you're talking about is dealing with feelings in real time, taking a beat, addressing that particular feeling in that moment of going, I'm frustrating. I can feel the. T- I'm frustrated. I can feel the I tension. I am probably rising. also frustrating. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe, um, but I can feel the tension building and rising and I need to just sit here and and do something for myself for a moment. Is that like that that right there is a form of self-care and it's also like and again I am not like a sciency body person but when you do that for yourself you're creating new reactions. You're creating new neuropathways neuropathways in your brain to say when I feel A I do B. So what do you want B to be? Do you want B to be shoving it down? And that becomes your neuropathways, like saying, this is what we're going to do, automatic reaction. Or do you want it to be, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to practice some sort of intentional right now self-care. And I'm going to let myself feel this. Yeah. And and from a physiological standpoint, um, what happens when... uh, we put ourselves in stressful situations is that we trigger our autonomic nervous system, which is our, our fight or flight system. This is, this is what we have to protect us in case we're being chased by a bear that we're either going to fight the bear or we are going to run and hide from the bear. Mm -hmm. And so that, that system is regulated by adrenaline or epinephrine there. They, those names are interchangeable. Um, but, uh, so what happens is when we are that that's a helpful that's a helpful thing to happen if you're being chased by a bear it's not largely helpful at the post office 
Whoa. <laughs> right. So obviously my, my body tends to physiologically react to adrenaline um, more in the fight mode mm -hmm. than the flight mode. Mm -hmm. But I think that's per that that could be somewhat personality dependent, and also I think that can be situationally dependent. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I kind of talk to my patients about is like that the the reason or there's multiple reasons for experiencing your feelings in real time. But one of the one of them is at, at some point with that rising tension, your body is going to dump adrenaline into your system to deal with that. And then you're going to have far less choices about how you're dealing with it mm -hmm. because that's an autonomic response. It mm -hmm. does like you are not completely in control. When people of that. talk about, I just saw red and yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's mm -hmm. like a drug. And so once the adrenaline is in your system, you literally have to wait for it to wear off. I mean, uh, when I was pregnant with Hank in labor, um, they the way that they test uh, to see if uh, your epidural is in is they shoot adrenaline into your spinal cord hmm. and if nothing happens then they've got it in your spinal cord if your heart starts racing you they shot it into a vein hmm. <laughs> Uh, so I, they, um, I, I had a guy, I, I, I had my epidural at 7am as the night shift guy was getting off mm -hmm. and, uh, he was tired. <laughs> he was tired and it went into my vein and, and it, what was super funny was I didn't know that that was what he was shooting into my back. Uh, so, but I'm sitting there getting the epidural and he's like, he, Kyle, Kyle later, I wish y'all could see my face because, um, Kyle would later mimic for me the face that the doctor was making as he was inserting um, my epidural, which was basically kind of like a disgusted head shake, like, this isn't right. Okay. 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 So some, some, there is, there is a definitely. Not the reaction you want not, from a medical right, he professional. Was like, right. It was, I don't think he was like, watch, I don't think the doctor was watching Kyle watch him. And so anyway, but, uh, so at one point it took, it took like 30 minutes for me to get this epidural. At one point the doctor says to me, and again, remember, I don't, I don't know that he's, uh, putting adrenaline in my, in me, he says, let me know if you feel anything different. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, just if you feel anything different, I was like, what do you mean? And I, and I could tell that he was not wanting to lead me. Mm -hmm. Um, and as a patient or as a person that works in psychiatry, I also sometimes like, I don't want to like, I don't want if, when people are like, I ask them if they're experiencing any of these side effects, they're like, like what? And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I don't want to plant things right, in your yeah. brain. Like mm -hmm. if you don't know you're having a side effect, you're not having one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I do feel that way. I do that, yeah. <laughs> right. I think that was what he was trying to avoid, but it was funny. Cause I kept going like what? And he kept going just, you know, anything. And then all of a sudden I said, do you mean like my heart is pounding out of my chest? And he's like, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's in a vein. <laughs> it's in a vein. Okay. So this is not a good spot for the epidural. So anyway, the the point I'm making is that like, I did get to experience like firsthand. What is that like? And you know what? It, I mean, it, uh, it, well, and nobody, so an interesting thing about feelings yeah. is you can certainly choose how you're going to behave based on how you feel. You can't always choose how you feel. 
right? Usually you can't, especially that initial feeling. But like in your in your situation, it would have been ridiculous if somebody would have said, okay, make your heart calm down. Right. And that's how people treat emotion so oftenly. Right. Like, I don't think oftenly is a word, but is it? I don't More know. More often. That can often. be another podcast. Yeah. But people so frequently say, stop feeling that way. Yes. And it would be ridiculous if, if they would have said, stop. Okay, slow your heart down right. now. So I, I just, there is such a different set of values around emotional. Absolutely. But I do think when we see, we, when we start feeling that rising tension, that's, that's a signal that mm-hmm. uh, you're getting close to adrenaline and uh, like, a, 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 like a stress response. Mm-hmm. And if you allow that to continue, people might be starting to say, whoa, <laughs> in your wake that's at right. the post office. And you know, there was nothing wrong with you being frustrated. There was nothing wrong with your tension rising. Like for you to have had an expectation for the day that was let down, it's okay to be disappointed. It's being able to acknowledge those things that prevents you from then later sitting in like micro bursts of shame in the car going, I can't, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Yes. And so what was, what, what, what was the conversation I had with myself later was that I said, self, I think it would have been wise if before you entered the post office, you had sat in the air conditioned car and taken a couple of deep breaths and said, I feel some tightness in my chest. I think that's frustration. I feel frustrated because some things that should have been easy today haven't been. And that's not fun. Mm -hmm. I don't like the way that feels. I wish that this had gone smoother. Yeah. And then sat with that for five minutes Mm -hmm. and then walked into the post office. Right. I think that would have gone way better. Now, that is not, this is, the, the, you know, my, my journey to emotional health <laughs> yes. has, has, has been uh, two steps forward and one step back. So I will still say, moving forward. That, that's right. That's right. So I will say I was not able in that situation to do that in advance. But one of the things that I was able to do after that I, um, was, was uh, handle it with myself a little differently. One, I had that conversation with myself that was helpful in the sense of what's the plan the next time we feel like this. Mm-hmm. But the other thing, which I, I, I want to talk to you about, and you know, uh, this is like one of those like insert eye roll for all the therapists and they're, and they're like, you know, uh, there's, there's sweet expressions. I'm using air quotes. Um, but uh, like about self-compassion in another time, had that happened, I would have gone to the car. And like Laura said, I would have felt bursts of shame, just so embarrassed, so humiliated that I misbehaved in the post office and I would have beat myself up. I would have called myself all kinds of names like, what is wrong with you? You are out of control. You do this crap all the time. You're insane. Why are you like, why did you like blow up at that post office, man? And, um, 
instead, mm-hmm. I, you know, one had a conversation about like how, how, what, what could we have done to avoid this interaction mm-hmm. or, you know, and then I was also able to, now I wish that I had just, you know, preemptively done that and then we wouldn't have to have the other follow-up sure. conversation, but, but I was, ha- I was able to have the conversation with myself that said self today was a frustrating day. That postal officer was rude and he wasn't very compassionate. It's hard to pe- be polite to people that are not being polite backed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and then that's enough. And again, that doesn't mean that it excuses my behavior. It doesn't mean that I am allowed to be rude to whoever is rude to me, but it, I do, I don't need to, I don't need to hate myself mm-hmm. and, and beat myself up over, you know, misbehaving. It's, it is hard to be polite when people are being rude to you. That's very difficult. Well, and I think that's the, the that's the perspective that you can have. What can I do better in the future? What are some of the whys behind this interaction? And then stop, like stop before you, you take a judgmental stance against yourself. And that, and again, like you said, that doesn't mean that you're saying everything I do is okay. I didn't make any mistakes. That guy was a jerk and deserved it. Here's my excuses. That's right. That's very different than going, man, I would wish I would have taken a break. I wish I would have chilled out for a second, kind of acknowledged that I was frustrated. And I wish I would have just like that, that would have gone differently. Sure. But it didn't. And so I can focus on how I can do it better next time. I can grow from this and I, I can move on because like guilting and shaming myself and putting a bunch of blame on, well, you always do this and you, you like, this wasn't that big of a deal. That was ridiculous. All that stuff that we say to ourselves, there's no fruit there. Like I say to my kids, like there's no fruit in that interaction with yourself. That's not going to motivate you to grow. I feel like shaming and guilting yourself is kind of like <laughs> this is a little violent but like punching somebody to get what you want you might get it but eventually they're going to get knocked out and have nothing left to give like it's 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 just not going it's not sustainable mhm you're going to collapse underneath guilt and shame you know that therapist you sent me to yeah <laughs> yes i do <laughs> And that I like poor her. therapist. <laughs> that uh, poor therapist loved you. Yes. Well, um, that poor therapist probably got a got a pretty hard time for me <laughs> sometimes, though. Uh, but the, uh, one day she was talking to me, um, and I, I, I kind of I, I do want you to kind of talk a little bit more about like self compassion and where that's coming from, um, and why that's important. But she she was saying something to me. At, at one point that was, you know, it sounds like you're really hard on yourself. And I said to her, um, I think therapists always say that to people. It's like your job to say that, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, she said, Oh gosh. See, I mean like poor, poor Danette. I mean, just right. <laughs> I don't think Danette minded. <laughs> uh, maybe she had had other, pa- other patients say things like that to her before poor Danette. But anyway, I said, I feel like that's your job to say that. 
And um, she she gave me this scenario, and she said, Jessica, imagine uh, that you went to lunch with a friend, and your friend walks in, and she's wearing a new jacket. She's super excited about the jacket, and she's telling you all about it and how she's she feels bad because she paid too much money for it, but she really loves it, and isn't it so cute? And she thinks she can wear it with everything, and you know, on and on. And she's so excited about the jacket. And then you leave the restaurant and you get a call from your friend and she said, uh, I've lost my jacket. What, what would you say to your friend? And I said, I'm sorry, that stinks. And uh, she said, what would you say to yourself? And that was so laughable to me because I think if you had asked, if you just point blank asked me directly, are you hard on yourself? I'm like, I'm not on any harder on myself than I am on other people. When she asked me that, I knew that I could not in good conscience lie to her and say, that stinks. That is not I'm what so I'm sorry. I'm so That's sorry. Terrible. That is not what I would have said to myself. I would have said, you shouldn't have bought that jacket to begin with. It was way too much money. You are irresponsible. This is what happens when you spend too much money mm-hmm. on things. Like, you can't take care of your things. Um, and she asked me, is that true? And um, it, was, it, was, it was really... Yeah, it was it was really eye opening for me because it's not. I am I'm not irresponsible. Mm-hmm. I am very responsible. Um, I do take care of my things. Th- that would have been an accident, mm-hmm. and it could have happened to anyone. And again, that is a fake scenario. But what? But it was for me that was so eye opening to get to like p- kind of put like how would I deal with this with another human? Mm-hmm. How would I deal with this with myself? To be able to see that like wow, that's really not productive. And if I had said that to my friend, I don't think I'd be friends with her. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> or, or I don't think she'd be friends with yeah, me. She, yeah. Right? She yeah. I mean, like, it. golly, brutal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But we we think that that's going to motivate us for change. If I If I tell myself how terrible I am, then I'll want to do better and grow. Like, can you imagine a parent doing that to a kid all the time? Like, if I if I tell you that you are the worst and you are are never going to amount to anything, and, well, how is that kid going to thrive? So that, I mean, I could go on and on about shame, and there's a whole bunch of great information out there better than I could probably do, but it's just not going, it's not being kind to yourself. It's not, that's not conviction. Shame is not the same thing as being convicted. Um, and, and God doesn't need to use shame to motivate change. No, he doesn't. And I, I, I remember Annie has probably said to me a hundred times, but you know, as we've been doing this listening prayer for Mm -hmm. the last year and, uh, that practice, she, 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 Annie says that, uh, God's voice is always the kindest one in the room. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that for sure is my experience. Um, and I, can, I need to start thinking about whose voice isn't so kind because God, that's not what God does. Mm-hmm. when that's not, that's not how he convicts. Mm-hmm. That's not how the Holy Spirit convicts. And uh, I think I told you guys this story. Maybe I've said it on the podcast, but 
I, 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 to, I told a story, I, I'm sure I told Laura, but of a, an example of that, one time I was really frustrated and mad at a friend of mine who was not calling me back or responding to emails. It's not you. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Although it can sometimes be. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not usually mad at you. I, I usually know why you're not responding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but um, I was really mad at that person. And um, let me just say that like this person is not a horrible human being. Every time I interact with that human in real life, she is kind and nice and caring mm-hmm. and engaging. Um, but I started saying to my husband, who also knows this person, uh, this narrative that I started believing in my head. So you see, I'm not always nice to other people. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm compassionate and sometimes I'm not nice, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm talking about conviction. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I start telling Kyle this narrative of like, about this person, how like this person, like, like she can't treat other people like this. If she treats other people like this, she wouldn't have friends. Well, she has friends. So that must not be how she treats other people. She treats me like that because I can't do anything for her. And so like, I kind of had this painted this narrative about this person, like she's a user and she, I don't know what else, like, Mm -hmm. like I just, I'm just not serving her purposes. I'm not servicing her purposes. So it's not worth her time to respond to me. Um, PS, I later saw what her bedroom looked like and it was like piled to the ceiling with like laundry and suitcases that she hadn't unpacked. And I just, oops. And it just, it turns out, um, that, uh, she's just kind of disorganized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then it wasn't about, mm-hmm. um, her being, uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't about me not serving her, ser- ser- uh, her purposes. I did actually find that out in real life and not mm-hmm. just for my husband. Mm-hmm. But as I'm saying that to Kyle, um, he says to me with kindness in his voice, because he loves me and he can see that I have my feelings hurt by this response. He says, does that really sound like her? And it cut me to the quick because I knew immediately, no, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't sound like her. This is a kind person. This is a giving person. This is a selfless person. Um, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't. And, and, and so to, to me, that sounds more, I, and I wept, and I wept because I knew I was the problem. The sin in that situation was my sin, not hers, mm-hmm. y- you know, but it didn't feel like shame. It, it mm-hmm. felt like Kyle saw the situation, mm-hmm. and he saw with tenderness, mm-hmm. like he saw my pain, mm-hmm. but he pulled the curtain back on the truth. And he wasn't saying just you're just the worst for having this perspective like this is terrible that you're thinking this about this person and he just offered a nugget of truth in the form of a question saying does that really sound like something she would do and I know that that like that story is about conviction but I think the same can be true when you're when you've created a narrative in your head about something that is true specifically about how God speaks to you, how God thinks of you. If it doesn't walk like a duck, talk like a duck, 
it's not a duck. If it doesn't sound like God, if it doesn't seem like that's a reflection of God's character, then it's not God. So like the voice of, of shame and going like this, creating this false narrative in your head, that's not what God has to use. That's not what God, like I tell my clients, that's smoke and mirrors and God doesn't have to use illusion to encourage growth and change because he is appealing enough that you want to change because of your love for him because you know he's outlined these these this great way to live for you so anyway i just feel like guilt and shame in a nutshell is big fat lies big fat lies yeah and and to take that kind of full circle to what we're talking about today like the the self the like feeling your feelings in real time with that that situation where i was talking about that friend to Kyle if I had spent some time now if I had spent some time with what I was actually feeling Mm -hmm. um what I was I was mad I was saying I was mad because she wasn't responding to me what I was actually feeling was inadequate and worthless Mm -hmm. um because that those were things that I believed about my like I was allowing her actions to inform me about myself. And so I was projecting onto her my anger, but really what I was doing was I was feeling some other things. And if I had sat with what I was actually feeling, which is like some worthlessness or invalue, like, Mm -hmm. or lack of value or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, if I had been able to sit with that and then present that to God, Mm -hmm. I feel like he would have said, hey, this doesn't say anything about you, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a good dose of perspective. And that's from God. And again, not because it's like, you're wrong, you're shamed, it's right. whatever. It's because God sees the tenderness, mm-hmm. like like my husband does sometimes, mm-hmm. of like, hey, there's a pain there. Mm-hmm. But that pain, these are two different things. So sit with what your feeling is. Right. And then you and I can deal with your feeling. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to spin this out. That's right. And there are so many secondary emotions that do spin out from insecurity. Like, but when you really stop and take a look at, I'm feeling insecure, it doesn't, you don't have to try to cover that up because feeling insecure, feeling inadequate, those are some of the most exposing, vulnerable feelings we can experience. Like just to have that moment of, I'm not enough. I'm not liked, or I'm not worthy, or I'm not valuable, whatever it is. So to sit with those is really uncomfortable. Can you, and I think, like, just to wrap up today, can you kind of talk about, like, some coping mechanisms that you might share with a patient um, that was maybe having, like, kind of some negative emotions, like feeling, like, either frustrated or angry or scared or anxious, like, how to kind of move through that to the other side? Sure. Well, I don't think, I mean, we kind of talked about, well, no, I think we, we talked about it before we started recording of, there's kind of two components to that. There's dealing with your feelings in real time, right then, in the moment, and then there's the, the larger process of having a good emotional or a healthy emotional baseline in general 
that can help avoid or prevent or decrease those emotional spikes. So it's specifically what I'm, I'm thinking about and who knows, who knows if our dear listeners experience this, but I think in the past, one of the things that I've struggled with is that I can spin out on a story. Mm -hmm. So I, so I, I get caught up in the story. Well, they did this and then they did Mm -hmm. this. And I get in an argument with myself. And my experience has been when I argue with myself, no one wins. Right. So, (laughs) yeah. The The stronger person does. The stronger one does. Exactly. So, um, so like I'm, I'm, so a lot of times I might get caught in this story where there's a villain and the villain is either me or the other person. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I'm, I'm giving counter arguments like good angel, bad angel. And then, and that just kind of escalates my negative feelings. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a distraction from my real feeling. Right. So can you kind of maybe talk to people about how to kind of, maybe we talked about the autonomic nervous system, how we, that like this is that that stress response how do we how do we trigger the parasympathetic nervous system the calming part of our nervous system to take over well i totally know those words and i would have used them if you wouldn't have said them um but since you did i won't repeat them um no i think it's well again you have to take care of yourself emotionally in general make emotional honesty and awareness a part of your regular practice. So if if you're not doing that for yourself on a daily basis, then when you're in an intense emotional reactive state, you're not going to all of a sudden start doing it. Mm-hmm. So in general, take care of yourself. Take care of your emotional world. You know, I think we're all kind of living with a lot of insecurity and anxiety right now. Um, and so stopping and sitting with yourself, you know, and I, I, we've referenced listening prayer a lot, but like, obviously be in a place where you're regularly talking to God when you're regularly listening and, and, and asking to hear from him. And I think asking for like peace and, and, and like peace that can only come from him. So just generally taking care of yourself, like doing the things that we know are, are good for us. Some intentional self care, like doing things that you enjoy doing, not just because it's like, Oh, well I'll go get a pedicure, but to stop and go, I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to sit with my feelings. Maybe I'm going to slow down. I'm going to slow down. And like you said, like things that, Things that I have historically thought were cheesy, like sitting for a second and taking some deep breaths and doing a body scan and checking in with, I do feel some tightness in my chest or like, why am I like holding my hands and clenched fists today? Yes. So all of that kind of general work. And then of course, in the moment, I have to have some, like when I, especially with mm, frustration anxiety, those can be like my most overwhelming feelings. Um, those can get my, my tears flowing the easiest, um, to, to be able to stop and go first, I'm feeling anxious and overwhelmed. So to identify it second to like, just notice it and not judge the feeling Right. Like, oh, I wish I didn't feel this way. Like, I always do this. I'm just an anxious person. I can't stand, because that's going to create a downward spiral. 
And then third, I like to, and there's not always an answer because obviously there's chemical stuff going on, but I like to go, okay, is there something I am specifically feeling this way about? Mm -hmm. Okay. We have like four things tonight and we're going to be running kids all over the place. And I feel worried about that. Or my daughter came home upset last night and she never wanted to talk about it. And I can tell that she's carrying that around with her. And I feel it. So trying to kind of identify the source is the like kind of the third step in that scenario. You are describing in a fleshed out way what, um, what I kind of condense as soft, soothe, allow. Mm-hmm. Um, where, with, where I talk to patients about like imagining. So, and, and so with, with the parasympathetic nervous system, that is kind of like more grounded in our physical body. Um, and so like less fear-based, like less, like anxiety-based is grounded in our physical body. So when we become more aware of our physical body, our physical sensations, the feeling of the couch underneath my foot, the feeling mm-hmm. of the clothes on my back, that is, that is, that is going, that's going to trigger that. So, so like, so your physical sensations like cold or ice or pain or whatever, like that, that is grounding. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of pulls you out of your weird spin cycle in your head, you know, but, um, so soft is like, I, 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 I tell patients, like, I like feel like, where are you feeling this in your Mm -hmm. body? For me, a lot of negative emotions, I either feel in the pit of my gut or like Mm -hmm. kind of right, like in the center of my chest, like a Mm -hmm. clenched fist. And, um, and so breathing and imagining that that is, that spot is softening mm-hmm. and then the soothe. So I say soft, soothe, allow the soothe is like to say like kind things. Like it sounds, it sounds like, or it sounds like you feel anxious mm-hmm. or it sounds like you feel scared mm-hmm. or it sounds like you feel sad. Um, and so, so that soothe and then, um, and then the the final thing is like allow and and then it's just sitting in that feeling mm-hmm. like and so that, that to me like giving yourself 5 or 10 minutes to soft soothe allow mm-hmm. um without judgment without you know trying to make yourself get to the second like you know like let's say it's you know I need you need to forgive somebody and that you're angry with them or whatever I mean like ju- not pushing that just allowing yourself to feel angry mm-hmm or sad. Um, and, and then just sitting there kind of, we, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. My, my, my sweet friend, Laura, um, my other sweet friend, Laura, mm-hmm. like the, the time that she just sat in the bathroom with me mm-hmm. and, um, didn't say anything. And she just had her hand on my knee while mm-hmm. I cried. Um, I felt allowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To have the emotion I was having. And I think that often, I, when I'm in this battle in my head, like the fight in my head, I'm feeling defensive. Like I have to defend why I was angry with the postal worker Mm -hmm. instead of like, instead of just like, like my friend would have said, that was rude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Doesn't feel good when people are rude to you. Yeah. I'm sorry you lost your jacket. That sucks. Yes. Right. And so just allowing yourself. And so I, that sounds so stupid and so simple, but I, for me, that 
can pull me out of my head, can mm-hmm. pull me out of that internal fight, ground my body, and help my body stay physically calm. And I think that the to couple that with some of the cognitive processes of knowing this is right now. Not that that's ever helpful to a friend. Like, this too will pass. Like, you'll get over this. But to be able to say, like, no, because I'm anxious, because I'm sad, because I'm frustrated, angry, right now, you don't want to catastrophize that into being, this is how I'm going to feel forever. Right. So allow it to be, and, and allow it to be with the knowledge of, this is where I am right now. And so I'm going to sit with it right now and, and not like spin out because you think that this is going to be your new norm. (laughs) Even though some things are. Yeah. I will. I refuse to call this general time in my life, my new norm. Like (laughs) I will never use that term. No, this is, this is, um, Elmo apocalyptic fire. That's right. And that's just temporary. Yes. Or dumpster fire in a flood. Also temporary. That fire will eventually get put out. That's right. Well, um, I think that I think that's a, a good place for us to wrap today. I hope that was helpful for you guys, and um, I know it's always it's always a helpful for, reminder for me. And I think in this season, it's a particularly important. Yeah, and I think you know we didn't do a lot of talking about about God on this episode, but I am I regularly tell my kids if you don't think you can talk to me about how you're feeling. There's nothing that's scary for God. Like there's nothing that's too big for God. He is not scared of your feelings. He's not even scared of you being mad at him. Like he, he just says, come to me. So you can always, and that's a, that's very basic, but I've also had to remind myself of that because not often am I going, God, I am feeling blank and not really knowing what I want to ask from you because a lot of times my prayers are selfish and I'm asking for something, but just, Hey, I'm feeling this way. And would you please give me a good dose of perspective, peace, growth, understanding that can only come from you. Um, that just made me laugh because it reminded me, I once saw a comedian that was like (laughs) saying, um, that he wished that he had been the greeting card guy um, that invented blank inside. <laughs> so, um, like, so, you know how, like on, uh, like, it'll just say in parentheses above the card, like sometimes it's like, it'll say like father's day, uh-huh. birthday, friend's birthday. And some of them just say blank inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel blank inside. <laughs> sometimes I think sometimes that's okay too. I know. Yes, it is. Although I would say a lot of times that was pre-therapy. I felt blank inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then as the, as, as I got more and more attentive to my body, mm-hmm. more and more attentive to my feelings, I could put, um, a parentheses <laughs> of, like I could fill in the blank, could fill in the blank. I could fill in the blank. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us again on embarrassment of riches. Mm-hmm.